In this series, lowimpact.org talks with people working to build a mutually owned, democratic, decentralised economy that builds community and doesn't destroy nature. We want to increase collaboration to bring about system change. Find links to the sites mentioned in the videos in the description below. Join the conversation by liking, commenting and subscribing to our channel. So today I'm talking with Graham Mitchell of Cooperative Care Cong Valley. Hello, Graham. Hi, Dave. I, um, I wanted to talk to you today specifically about your plan for social care co-ops. Uh, you're looking to start a social care co-op in the Colne Valley. That's, that's Huddersfield, isn't it? Uh, yeah, just, uh, just uh, west of Huddersfield. That's right, in the, in the South Pennines. And you, I know that you also want to build a toolkit or a step-by-step -step guide for people who want to st start a social care co-op in their own community. So I'd like to... Yeah. I'd like to talk about social care co uh, generally, why co-ops are the best way to deliver it and, and how this toolkit can help grow the cooperative social care sector. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about what drives you be before we talk about exactly what you're doing. So what's, what's the problem that you want to help solve with your work? Uh, well, in, in the context of the, of the, uh, uh, the social care cooperative, um, it's probably worth explaining a little bit of the history of how we got to where we are really that, that might cast some light on that so <clears throat> it goes back about three years from now and um, so uh, I was part of a group of people that um, you know, we brought together this group of people that were interested in trying to do something uh, on a practical level to uh, to have some sort of impact on uh, some of the key issues of the day really um, so we we had a series of meetings conversations talking about a range of different issues and um, looked at various options really that we might um, that we might pursue. We weren't particularly uh, concerned, really. We did quite a lot of work uh, talking and thinking about food-related issues. Obviously, there's massive issues with uh, uh, the food system in our economy and um, and access to food. You know, sort of incredible rise in food bank use and things like that you know and the, all of the issues around that massive massive concerns um and uh so that was one issue we looked at we looked at we looked at housing and, and what we might be able to do in terms of housing um and we looked at uh, social care and uh realizing that we couldn't do all all of this stuff uh, we decided, okay, well, we need to prioritise, we need to focus our energy on one particular issue here that we think, well, we think we can make an impact and have some, uh, you know, get something working that would, that, that could change the way things happen. I guess I'm so talking about, decided, yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, well, we decided to focus on social care. We thought it was... I mean, then as now, really, it was an issue that was um, that affects everybody, really, um, one way or another. And 
it was clear then, as it is now, that social care in this country is, isn't working really for anybody particularly well. Um, and, and that goes for, you know, not just people who need or use social care services, but also the providers um, and, uh, and the people that commission it, the local authorities and uh, organisations that, at that end of the supply chain, as it were, you know, um, it's not working for anybody, really. And how do your ideas around um, social care co-ops, how do they address that problem? How do they, how would they, how are you thinking that they would make the situation better? Okay. So I tend to take a very sort of simple view or try to take a simple view of things, a common sense type approach. Um, so we've got a situation uh, at the moment, you know, where... Um, the uh, you know, the local authorities that that purchase a lot of social care services uh, on behalf of citizens uh, are doing it from a, a position that's really quite difficult for them. So most local authorities in this country are pretty big, and uh, so they're trying to sort of purchase services because most local authorities don't provide direct services uh, so much anymore. It's all been outsourced. Um, there is some stuff still there, but it's not uh, a huge part of the market, as it were. Um, so they're trying to purchase services on behalf of citizens, uh, but they, they're so far removed from those citizens because of, not through any fault of their own, but just by of their size and the number of people, the, the size of the population that they need to cater for. And that in, in itself is another sort of systemic problem in, in terms of the, the distance uh, between uh, the electorate and the people that, uh, that govern us, essentially. You know, it's too remote and uh, they're trying to tackle problems at too distant uh, a scale to larger scale. So they lose sight of the, the humans involved um, just by dint of the fact that they're so far away from us all and it all becomes numbers. Mm. And as a consequence of that, the commissioning process becomes very much a numbers game rather than a, a human process. So one of the things that we wanted to try and do was, was tackle that issue and be an organization that was very much close, very close to the people that we were looking to serve. Um, and uh, so that was sort of one facet of it. Another big issue in social care is uh, it's not a very well regarded, it's not a very well paid job for people that work in social care. It's really right down there at the bottom end of the scale. You know, you get people move in and out of the social care sector um, because they can maybe get a slightly better rate of pay in a different industry or something like that. So, um, but it's, you know, it's a, 
it's like nursing, you know, or um, or um, being an engineer. You know, it's a profession that um, deserves and demands a lot more respect and um, and better terms and conditions than than it currently has. You know, uh, and that's partly. Um, yeah, that's a historic thing, you know, I guess partly because it was, you know, it's always seen as uh, a women's work, really. Um, and um, and because the, the way that the system operates, um, especially from a private sector perspective, you know, the, there's a lot of downward pressure on, on pay and conditions. That's what I was, was going to ask you. How, how is most social care provided in the UK and, and how is it paid for? Okay, so um, I, th I think the bulk of social care is delivered by a mix of sort of private and third sector organisations. There's quite a lot of charities and social enterprises in there. There's also a lot of private sector organisations, depending on which, you know, social care is a very broad thing. So lots of subdivisions within it, I suppose, in terms of target groups and, uh, and services and things like that. But I think by and large, that's how uh, it's structured. And what, we've, what we see is that certainly in the last five years or so, probably longer, um, as... Um, austerity has driven down public sector financing, uh, then uh, there's a lot of private sector organisations have exited that market because they can't make enough profit out of it. It's not saying they can't make a profit out of it, but they can't make enough profit. They're looking for a certain return on their investment as a minimum and uh, they struggling to achieve that so they leave they can do you know because they're profit focused enterprises so they go somewhere else and do something else where they can get a better return so that's left a lot of people high and dry so there's, there's been a process you know you talk to people in the sector and everyone seems to have a story about how sort of uh, uh, private sector providers are, uh, are walking away from contracts and leaving the local government holding the baby sort of thing and they're having to pick up the pieces from this so how is your social care co-op idea different from the third sector organizations and and why is it better okay so i mean i'm i've got a long history of involvement in uh, the corporate movement so and i'm a, a firm supporter uh of the whole concept of mutual self-help rather than um, uh, the sort of charitable model where um, we do good things to other people, um, uh, which I always think is a bit patronising. And um, I, I much prefer a model where people are actively engaged, actively involved and providing their own solutions together. And I think that care in particular, if you look at social care and what's actually involved there, then uh, communities 
have always been, you know, family and community has always been the bedrock of social care provision. Um, and what's happened with this process of uh, work, work, sort of intervention from the public sector and the private sector, it's sort of uh, extracted that element of care from that community setting to a degree, I think. And it's, um, uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, people think about care and they think about, they probably think by default about um, someone else providing that care, not them, not their friends, not their neighbours, not their community, but someone else. And that someone else might be the local authority or it might be a private sector provider or a, a charitable organisation, but it's not them. And I think, you know, we have all these problems in our society about um, how we relate to older people and how they're sort of somehow othered and, and not part of our community. Um, and I think that, you know, that whole model just plays into that agenda and we need to start challenging that and breaking that down. I think. So are you saying that so the what, we're, what we're trying to do is re in that context is by using a cooperative model, we bring the community together around this idea of, of care and sort of reimagining what that care is to a degree, trying to, and re-embedding care as something that the community does and, um, um, and bringing community together around it, I think. So, so, so are you saying that the receivers of the care will be members of the cooperative as well as the providers? Yeah, so the model that we've, we're developing and it's, um, it's an ongoing process it is a multi-stakeholder model. So what we wanted to do was... So the people that are, that are most important in the process are the people that receive care and the people that give care. And in the conventional model, neither of them has a huge amount of power. Uh, you know, we just talked about care workers and how badly they're generally treated. Um, and I... And we've talked a bit about the sort of bureaucratic public sector process, which, um, with all the best intentions, is essentially looking at people in terms of numbers because they don't have any alternative at the moment. Uh, so people in receipt of care aren't necessarily getting the best uh, quality of service that they could be doing so in terms of trying to tackle those dual problems what we wanted to do was bring those people and give them power and control over what went on so that they are right at the heart of the operation really and and they are co-owners of the of the business operation is it sort of one person one one vote or is it you know, loaded a little bit towards the providers, or how does it work? Um, well, at the moment, we're we're looking at a very simple model. I think that, you know, there's a recognition that 
we'll probably need to get more sophisticated and learn as we go and and uh, and get into the sort of detailed conversations that we need to get into with all the various stakeholder groups that are involved uh, to, the, to so that we can really build a more nuanced approach I suppose but at the moment the thought is very much you know let's try and keep it simple let's try and ensure that everybody has got a real stake and, and a real voice and can uh, influence what happens at every level and what kind of care what kinds what different kinds of care will your co-op provide um, okay, so for the moment, we're focusing on uh, the needs of older people, so that, um, and uh, but not not necessarily exclusively. So that's that's where the that's where the sort of the big bulk of need is, really. So it makes sense for us to sort of learn uh, what we're trying to do by working with that constituency. And, uh, and what we're trying to do with our model is, is build a, um, uh, a sort of a wraparound type service, which is, uh, which is not just about regulated personal care, but there's also a whole range of other Sort of ancillary, um, non-regulated community-type care services that can be added into that mix. So, you know, people might need specific personal care services which are regulated, but there's also a whole raft of other things that they might need. You know, they might just need help with. Um, you know, basic stuff, cleaning or gardening, or mm -hmm. they might want to pursue interests but aren't able to do so on their own. Uh, they might want to um, go to social events but uh, can't for whatever reason. You know, so, so trying to understand, you know, so the our sort of um, our theory of change type thing that we've been that we've been working on is really about um, looking uh, with a, a sort of holistic lens, really, or trying to look, look holistically at the issue. So it's not just about uh, you know such and such a person having a specific assessed need, but looking at uh, the wider picture and how we can. Uh, work with that person and with their family and with their neighbours to uh, enable them to uh, to be more engaged, more fulfilled, improve their well-being, reduce uh, issues around social isolation and all of those sorts of uh, ancillary things that... Um, that all contribute really to somebody's sense of health and well-being. So what we're trying to do is improve people's outcomes uh, in the in a broad sense, and, uh, and what we what we think that we can achieve by uh, by delivering uh, 
a service that, that's sort of designed around that sort of thinking is that that will uh, that will have a positive impact on the service user, but it will also have a positive impact on the people around them uh, uh, as well, and uh, and sort of raise everyone's boat essentially. A bit like mutual aid groups. Yeah, it's a bit like that. It's obviously it's a more formalised approach, I suppose. And we've been doing a load of work with mutual aid groups over the course of this uh, this year. Obviously, with the pandemic kicking in in the spring, you know, the mutual aid groups sprung up here as they have done uh, pretty much everywhere else, and. Um, we were fortunate in terms of being in the right place at the right time to be able to uh, sort of lend a hand to those mutual aid groups. Um, and I think there's been a really positive uh, process there of relationship building uh, and understanding how we can operate as a, as a sort of a second tier service in a sense, sort of supporting the needs of those mutual aid groups. Um, and some of them uh, in our locality have uh, sort of fallen back to uh, sort of pre-pandemic level now, but others are still going strong. So, uh, so we're working to uh, maintain dialogue with those groups and understand what their needs are and how we can um, work together. As, as the situation changes now, we're moving beyond this sort of immediate health crisis into an economic and a social crisis potentially uh, now with the, with the, the economic impact of, of uh, the pandemic hit, starting to hit, you know, people are losing their jobs in significant numbers. Um, and that's going to have, you know, long-term knock-on effects on um, other aspects of, of the community that we're in. Yeah, I'm thinking about the effect of austerity measures which are bound to come and the sort of reduced state funding for local authorities. Is there a like a plan B and maybe, maybe back to the old friendly societies idea where people paid a little a little weekly subscription and, and like a little insurance policy? Uh, well, we've not looked at that particularly as yet. I think we are um, we are talking to um, our colleagues in the local authority, because they've been hugely supportive of Have the they? project Have they? right from right from day one, um, which has been fantastic and, uh, and really quite crucial, I think, in terms of enabling us to get where to where we are currently. But um, so there's a really good relationship there, and there's a good dialogue going on there, and I think that I mean I mentioned earlier that um, the commissioning process that local authorities use isn't really very good for them so I think that they're actively looking to how they might be able to evolve what they do into a more uh, a more helpful model that works better for them and for providers like us and uh, and obviously for end users as well do, do you think your local authority, do you think it's a, it's a particularly good response from your local authority? Or do you think, it's tip, think that would be typical? Or? Um, 
D difficult to tell, really. Um, I think that our I think that our local authority here have have understood that um, you know as a result of ten years of austerity following the uh, the financial crisis. Um, as a result of that, they've had to shift their position. So they're no longer the organisation that does everything. They're now an organisation that acts to enable community uh, to get on and solve problems. Um, so I think there's, there is a, a real sense of partnership there, I think, uh, which is great. Uh, I was a bit cagey, a bit um, jaded, I suppose, and cynical initially, thinking, okay, is this just rhetoric or is this for real? But the experience um, on this and a number of other things has shown, uh, I think, uh, that they're deadly serious about this, and which is great. That's yeah, really, really encouraging. encouraging. Do um, social care co-ops already exist in the UK? Are there any others? There are. Um, there are a number, um, and we're still sort of mapping that uh, to a degree. We've come across quite a few, uh, and we've started a sort of a dialogue um, with as many of those as we can find who are interested in engaging in that conversation, because I think, um, I think there's a massive opportunity here um, to make uh, cooperative models, uh, mainstream models, really, um, in this sector, because what's, uh, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of government. Government have been talking for a decade or more about how they're going to tackle the problem of social care in this country. Um, and they've yet to do that, really, uh, to make any real sort of substantive intervention so it's unclear at this time as to what that might look like but i can only you know part of that has to be uh more public money coming into the sector because there's clearly a sort of a systemic fault there in terms of insufficient funding um and i think that it's certainly people that I speak to, uh, there's a sort of an inherent understanding there that, you know, this isn't really a, uh, a market. This isn't really a commercial thing. It doesn't suit. It doesn't fit well. Um, mm. And, uh, I mean, it may be appropriate for some people, but I think for the vast majority of people, they would probably, um, perhaps in an ideal world, they might say, "Well, I, I'd like, um, I'd like the state to look after me." But I don't think the state's in any position to do that um, now, uh, and I don't think it has any intention of doing that in the future. So, it's about trying to find appropriate models that. Um, that have that same public sector ethos, but are able to operate independently or, or semi-independently of the state. And I think that a cooperative model 
fits that need extremely well because it it gives that uh, community ownership and accountability, which I think is absolutely crucial in this, in terms of in terms of building solid trust relationships. Do you think that social care could ever come down to a subscription model, either sort of payments to some sort of cooperative insurance organisation? Um, or, or well, there's, there's no reason why that couldn't happen. Um, I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, the majority of social care is self-funded, as I understand it. I've not seen um, sort of a detailed analysis on it, but from what I've given to understand is that the majority of people pay for their own social care um and but i think that you know we that might be because uh as sort of a historic thing because obviously we're in that position where at the moment if you look at the sort of post-war uh state of play you know people that were those sort of that sort of baby boomer generation are now the people that are moving into needing social care uh, in their 70s or 80s or whatever. Uh, and they've, they've done well by the economy, by and large, that, that, um, that cohort. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pensioners out there now that are pretty well off, actually. Um, and it's the people that are coming after them, the people, that, you know, the sort of generation that's coming through now, yeah. who are in their 40s now or in their 50s now, a lot of them are really struggling. You know, they've not been, not had the same opportunities. They've not had the opportunity to get it, uh, get into this, the housing market to the same extent. Um, and they'll come out... Um, at the end of their working lives, they'll be that much older because pension ages get, keep getting pushed back and back. And um, they're a much less wealthy cohort of people. So they're going to be more and more reliant on um, funding coming from other sources other than themselves to pay to meet their social care costs as they get older. And they're going to get older. They're going to get a lot older. So it keeps we, happening, we've doesn't this, it? Well, it's real crunch <laughs> happening, you know. Where, where, you know, we've got an aging population, got more and more older people. They, they need more and more yeah. care as they get older, and yet they don't have the sort of personal wealth that people who are in that older age group now have. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna get pretty nasty, I think. Um, yeah, for a lot of people in the next twenty years or something like that. So, so we need, I think we need to start developing solutions now yeah. that start to tackle those problems yeah. successfully. 